Well, thanks everyone for joining us for a brand new year of putting down roots in Jesus, a brand new series as we think about God goals. Uh, just, you know, the premise of this series is that I felt like I was the only one raising my hand with the whole goal resolution thing. Um, even though lots of us want to make changes and improvements, we think about our health, our finances, all kinds of stuff. This series is about what does God want for your new year? What's his goal? If you could see his resolution journal, what kind of changes would he want to see in your life? For the next four weeks, we're going to explore that question and open the pages of this amazing book and find some great answers. Now, as we kick things off, I brought some toys to share with you today. <laughs> uh, this little Lego guy with the pretty nice hair, um, this is you. And this green little Lego square, this is your next year. This is all the things that you're going to do, all the places that you're going to go, all the people that you'll see in the next 12 months. And this, this mean looking guy in the black outfit with the hatchet in his hand, <laughs> this is all the stuff you don't want to happen in the year to come. This is the fear, the anxiety, the heartache, the worry, the brokenness, the drama, the consequences, all the stuff you pray about and ask God to keep far away from your life. That's him. And because this is you and this is what you don't want in your life, you resolve and plan and pray about these. These walls are like the blessings that you want God to give you to make sure that you're here and the life that you don't want is over there. For example, this gold wall represents your financial situation. So if you could just have enough money, save enough money, invest enough money, not have the medical bills and the car payment and the debt hanging over your head, life would be a lot better, wouldn't it? And it would make you happy if you didn't have to have those arguments about paying the rent or keeping the lights on, the credit card statement that gets between husband and wife. If like brick by brick, you could fix your financial situation. If you could make that wall high enough and strong enough, your life would be so much better. But it's not just money, right? Some people have lots of money, but they're pretty miserable, which is why you care about this too. This is your health. It's when you feel good. Uh, physically, emotionally, and mentally. When this wall is strong, your head doesn't hurt, your back doesn't ache, there's no more chemo or cancer, uh, the medication is fixed, your anxiety is kept at a distance. When this wall is strong and tall, when you and those that you love are feeling good, life really is good. And then there's this blue wall. This wall represents your morality. When you make choices that you're proud of, when you don't just say that you have faith, but you live it out, when you have the self-control to come face to face with, you know, that old temptation that knows your name, but this time you say no, when it's kind of hard during that time of confession in church to think of what actually went wrong this past week, that's when you know the wall of morality is tall and strong. And when you make good choices, often you don't have to live with the ugly consequences. And it makes life better. It makes you happy. 
And then there's this. This wall is because I ran out of Legos. <laughs> My kids were helping me sort, but we couldn't find enough Legos to make out the same color. But I actually kind of like how that turned out because there's a whole bunch of other stuff, right, that you want. It might be good grades in school. It might be great friendships. It might be meeting that guy or that girl. It might be finally getting married or making your marriage a little bit better. It might be reconciling with your father. It might be wonderful friendships, a career, a job that you love to go to. There's all these other things that we want God to give in our life because if all of these walls would just stand, if we could fix this and improve that, and if all the walls are big enough to keep the worry and the fear and the anxiety away, this would be the kind of life that we would love to have. Uh, So maybe you're not a guy like me who makes resolutions who has extensive goals, who buys special journals and makes little boxes and breaks down month by month what I'm going to do in the year to come. But I I guarantee you want to change something about your life. And that's why all of us care about this. But there's a problem. Actually, I'd say there are three problems. The first problem, no offense, is you. Because I have a hunch that you are a lot like me. And the choices that you make don't always build the walls higher. Sometimes they actually make them lower. For example, I would love to tell myself at the start of the year that I'm going to save money in 2020. I'm going to say no to eating out all the time. I'm going to save up those dollars, emergency fund, invest it to my future, max out the Roth IRA. But you know what sometimes happens in my life? I want pizza. (laughs) And it doesn't matter if it's in the budget or we blew past the dining out budget on January 4th. Sometimes when you want something, you want it and you do it and you look back and you regret it. You know, sometimes it's because of my lack of self-control with money that that wall isn't as strong as it should be. And the same with my health. Sometimes the only vegetables I eat during the week are on top of a supreme pizza. (laughs) And of course, once I get to the crust, I peel open that beautiful thing of garlic butter sauce that Papa John's puts in the box. Have you ever had this? Like it's made by angels in heaven and they float it down. And (laughs) I have a feeling the massive amount of calories has become a massive, massive amount of calories. And when I step on the scale, I can't blame God for that. It's, uh, it's me. Uh, Sometimes because of our morality, our choices, our spending, our study habits, our whatever, life isn't what we want it to be. Sometimes we are the problem. But number two, sometimes the problem isn't you. Sometimes the problem is them. You know, sometimes at school, you want to have great friends who are faithful, who keep your secrets and are trustworthy, but not every friend turns out that way. Sometimes you want to have great relationships and marriages where there's love and respect and selflessness. But you can't control other people. And sometimes a husband comes home and he doesn't love you. Not like he should. Sometimes you raise kids to be selfless and generous and they turn rebellious and selfish. Sometimes your home is hard and life is complicated. Not because you've done something wrong, but they have. And sometimes the walls fall down, number three, 
just because of life. Sometimes it's not a choice that you made or they made. Sometimes life in a broken world is just broken. Sometimes you have anxiety or battle depression, not because of some addiction, but because you just have it. And sometimes you are saving money and you're being self-controlled and the engine drops out and now you're broke. Sometimes you're getting up in the morning and you're making it to the gym and you're not ordering pizza like I do and yet still the doctor finds something wrong. You see, either you're there now or you're going to be there sometime soon where one of the walls falls down. It might be your fault, their fault, nobody's fault, but life gets complicated and life is hard. So here's my huge question for you. When your walls come down, what are you going to do? Like when, when something happens in your family with an addiction, with your finances, what are you going to do? It doesn't matter if you're Christian or not a Christian. If you come here every Sunday, there's no like magic Christian dust that will save you from a complicated life. So when it happens, what, what do you do? It's a massive question because some people, when this moment comes, it will be the best thing in the world for their faith. While for other people, when that moment comes, it will be the worst. It will make them wonder about God and then question God. And when they pray to God and it doesn't change, it might make them doubt God altogether. Some people slip spiritually. They lose the foothold of their faith. Some people shake a fist, wonder if there even is a God who's paying attention because life isn't what they want it to be. And I know that God is love and that God is good, but some of you, you have no clue what's coming. This might be the year where you really have to answer that question. When life falls apart, what do you do? Now, thankfully today, there is a chapter in the Bible that can help you answer that question. 3,000 years ago, there was this guy named Asaph. He was a songwriter and a poet, and he actually had a miserable period in his life. And when he looked at all these crumbled walls and complicated situations, and then he looked at other people, even people who didn't care that much about God, have an easier time, he almost lost it. He almost got so angry at God that he lashed out at him like an animal. He was this close to losing his faith until he remembered a single fact. And it's the simple fact that I want to teach you today. It is the simple fact, I'm not exaggerating, that has changed my life. It's changed the way that I view hardship and suffering. It's a truth that I think about every single morning, every single night, and double-digit times in between. And it comes from one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Psalm 73, an ancient song that Asaph wrote. So to prepare your heart for the complications of life, let's read what Asaph said. Uh, You can find these words on the screen. Asaph wrote, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy 
and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limit. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the most high know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. In other words, Asaph wants what bad people had. Healthy bodies, no burdens, prosperity, to be free from struggles, to not be plagued by human ills. The people who didn't seem to care about spiritual things, they had such good lives and Asaph looked in the mirror and he didn't. And he admits he came this close. I almost slipped, he said. I almost thought it's all in vain. What's the point of coming to church? Why would I bother praying? Why am I going to read some book and talk to some God if in the end life still looks like this? He was that close. Until he stumbled upon the truth that changed his life. Here's what it is. Verse 21. He says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet. Here it is. Get out your brain's highlighter for these next words. Yet. I am always with you. You, God, hold me by my right hand. You, God, guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you, God, will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. God, I will tell of all your deeds. I love it. He, he was so close. I was bitter. I'll admit it. He said, I was like a beast when I was yelling at God. Yet then I remembered this. I am always, always with God. You see, Asaph believed in something that many people these days don't believe in. He believed that God was better than money and better than a perfect marriage, better than a great job, better than funny friends, better than a nice car, a nice home. What Asaph honestly believed that if he had all of that, like they had all that, but he didn't have God, it was a miserable life. But even if he didn't have all of that, if he ended up with God, it was all that he truly needed. And so he says in, in shocking, beautiful language, he says, earth has nothing I desire besides you. God, my heart was created. I'm hungering, thirsting. There's a God-shaped hole in my heart. What I want is you, God. And here's the truth. I am always with 
you. Now, a couple of years ago, I was in a hospital room here in Appleton. Uh, I was sitting watching my father-in-law take his last breaths. And my wife was by my side watching her dad die. My mother-in-law was there too, holding his hand after all those years of marriage. And do you want to know what I was reading? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, but God is my portion forever. If you would ever visit my mother-in-law's home, on the wall is this little piece of art with just two words, but God. I don't have my husband anymore, but God is here. The finances aren't what they used to be. But God is here. I'm not the most popular kid in school. I'm struggling against this addiction. I made choices I can't take back and I wish I could. But God, God is here. He is the strength of my heart and he is my portion forever. Asaph comes to this shocking conclusion. He says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I think the word good should be so flattered by that sentence. <laughs> to, be, to be near God is good? <laughs> I don't want to criticize the Bible, but I want to say that's the wrong word. It is great to be near God. It is everything to be near God. Having God through all the ups and downs of life, that, that will save you and it will give you joy like nothing else can. In other words, Asaph wants you to remember this. That God is the place that you can go. He said it this way in verse 28. It is good to be near God and I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. In the ancient world, a refuge was a really strong protective building that you could run to when the enemy busted through your city's walls. Before they got to you and killed every good thing that you loved, you could take your family, your friends, and you could run to the refuge, the stronghold, the tower, the fortress, and you'd be safe. And this is what Asaph found out. There was no simple way for him to rebuild all the walls and have a perfect life, but he did, by the grace of God, have somewhere to go. And it was God. So if you're taking notes in your program, I'd love for you to write down this big idea. This is God's number one goal for you to run to the refuge. Uh, When something happens that you wish didn't happen, you can get mad at God. You can be bitter that he didn't give you the perfect life or you can run to him. You can remember how good he is and you can be so grateful that even the complications of life can't take him away. That's what this dad did. So I love this idea that God's a refuge. I think about it all the time. I try to practice it. I actually wrote a book about it. Three words that will change your life. God is here. But I honestly didn't realize how beautiful it was until I watched him. Uh, There's this guy I met a few weeks ago. Um, I can't tell you too many details, but he had a really complicated family life. Uh, He was telling me about his children, how, you know, things were dysfunctional And he hadn't seen them or talked to them in a long time, not just days or weeks, but years, his own kids. 
and I'm listening to him as a father and, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine if my own daughters didn't want to see me. And the thought of it like broke my heart. Like I, I can deal with a, a failing, declining church and no money in the bank if I'd have my kids with me. But if, if they, if they didn't want to be with me and I'm listening to this father's story and you know, as soon as he's done telling it, I'm just ready to express my empathy and say, I'm, man, I'm so sorry. But he didn't let me do it. Before he ended his story, he, like Asif, he said, but pastor, sometimes I close my eyes and I picture God. And I see like, I see these mountains, pastor, and there's this beautiful sky and I, I turn And there's God. And his dad opens his eyes and he's smiling at me. The the emotion, the joy in the room. I I watched it. I felt it happen. And I realized that Asaph really did stumble upon the truth that can change your life. A great family is great. A wonderful life is wonderful. But the best thing in the world, what we really desire is just to be with God. And that's why I want to give all of you a New Year's resolution. I want all of you to raise your hand next time Pastor Michael asked that. Because here's the resolution that God wants for you. I want you to write it down. Your number one goal for this year is to run to G-O-D A-S-A-P. Whenever this wall comes down, whenever your choices get complicated, whenever your friends aren't there for you, whenever something happens with your money, with your health, with whatever, instead of just panicking or worrying or Googling, the first thing that I want you to do is what that father did. And I want you to run to God. I want you to picture him, praise him, magnify him, envision him. Let the sight of God in your mind be so wonderful, even better than the perfect answer that would rebuild that wall. And I want you to remember that because of Jesus, that's not just some trick in your heart heart or your mind. That's the reality and the gift. In fact, that's why I used red Legos. Anyone notice this little red doorknob on the refuge? It's not because I ran out of white pieces this time. (laughs) Uh, That was intentional because Asaph, I'm I'm not sure if you noticed this, he did the most interesting thing. In the first verse of the Psalm, he said, surely God is good to, to those who are pure in heart. And then he confesses, but that wasn't me. I was bitter. I was frustrated. I was like a beast before. I wasn't pure in the way that I thought about God. And yet in the last verse, he's saying, but God is my refuge. How good is it for me to be close to God? And you pay attention to the flow of the Psalm and you say, whoa, wait, wait. How, how can you get into the refuge if you did that? And the answer is Jesus. Because Jesus was so selfless and sacrificial, because he shed his blood on the cross, where you stand, if you trust in him, is in this perfect place of the presence of God. That Jesus gave his life so not just technically you'd be forgiven or saved, 
but so that your forgiveness and salvation would be the access to get to God. First Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered to bring you to God. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But through me, you can come to the Father. And this is why I can say to all of you, no matter what the story, the, the complications, the addictions, the sins, the struggles, the past, the present, that if you look to Jesus today, you don't have to make yourself better first. Even before you keep every spiritual resolution, there is a Jesus who wants you to live this year in the safest place on the planet, the presence of God. Which is why I'm so glad my friend made me a picture. Some of you know that I'm a little bit infatuated with a Christian artist named Christopher Powers. Um, He is shockingly gifted. He's talented and he loves the message of what Jesus has done. And I got to know him kind of well this past year. His depiction of how a husband and wife should treat each other. I've printed it, framed it, and it's in my living room above the fireplace. His depiction of how God cares for us through all the ups and downs of life. It's printed, it's framed, and it hangs above the bed of my daughter who struggles with worry and anxiety. And so when I thought about this message, I emailed him and said, Hey, if, if I made a donation to your ministry, would you make me a personalized picture? And because he's that kind of guy, he said, I'll I'll make the picture and you don't have to pay me. And then I answered him back, thank you. And I'm preaching on Sunday. Do you think you could have it done by then? (laughs) And because he's that kind of guy on Friday, the ding came into my inbox. I told him I wanted a picture of a city with walls that had crumbled. A reminder that life even for God's people is not easy. But I wanted a tower, a refuge that was full of light and life, a depiction of how wonderful it is to be with God. And I wanted some connection to Jesus. Like it's only through Jesus' blood, suffering faith in him that we can run to this refuge and be saved. And no one has seen the picture yet. Except me. And now you. Here's what he made. Through Jesus, there's a safe place that we can run. Through the blood of Jesus, we can lift up our eyes in the toughest times of life and we can see light and life because we can see God. You don't have to earn it or deserve it. You look to Jesus and you get God's number one goal to be with you, to satisfy you, to make you say with King David, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want I lack nothing because what my heart wants, my heart has. Whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing I desire but you. And as for me, it is so good to be near God. How about you? Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, all of us in the year to come are going to seek something. In the good times and the bad times of life, we're going to do something. And today we resolve and ask your help for that something to be you. We want to seek your face. We want to think about you, what's so reliable and guaranteed. And God, we want the thought of you to be enough for us. Because we can see the things of this life. It it seems like if we could just fix that, 
that we'd be so happy, but that is not as good as you. And that isn't guaranteed to happen, but you, God, are guaranteed to be there. So send your Holy Spirit to help us. We pray in your mercy that you would give us good walls, that our choices would change and our families would be better and our friendships would be stronger. But God, no matter what, help us to run back to the simple fact that you are enough. You're God. And because of Jesus, you're with us. Thank you for giving us pure hearts that can walk right up to you, see your face, and know that it's shining upon us today. There are probably these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people who agreed and who wanted more of God, they joined their voices and they said, Amen.